Welcome to this podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope you consider hitting like or subscribe. We hope you will share this audio with your friends and neighbors. Help others know about our inclusive, theologically progressive community of faith. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can make a gift at stmichaelsabq.org. In the name of our loving, liberating, and life-giving God. Amen. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians today, encourages us to focus on whatever is true, whatever is just, whatever is worthy of praise. And I have to tell you, despite our singing just a moment ago of holly, 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 I'm struggling a bit to find that in our other readings today. I'm struggling because both the passage from Exodus and the parable of the wedding banquet presents an image of God that is incompatible with what I know to be true of God through Jesus Christ. In our passage from Exodus, God tells Moses, your people have gotten way out of hand. They're acting perversely. It's only been like 40 days, and they have turned from the commandments I gave them. Leave me alone so that I can smite them from the earth and start fresh with you. In this story, Moses has to convince God not to kill all the people. But the God I know through Jesus Christ is not a God whose wrath burns so hot as to consume an entire people except for one guy who's righteous. The God I know through Jesus Christ is a God who leaves the 99 to go after the one who's lost. In the parable of the wedding banquet, the king, who is a stand-in for God, sends his messengers to bring the people who have ignored his invitation, kills those who resisted his messengers and refused to attend the feast, and then rounds up people from the street to take their place. And when he finds a guest not wearing the appropriate garment, the king orders him to be tied up and thrown into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. But the God I know through Jesus is not a God who coerces and compels. The God I know through Jesus is a God that sets us free from what binds us. The God I know through Jesus is not a God who raises an army to burn down cities and slaughter the unfaithful, even if we might wish that is who God is. No, the God I know through Jesus makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What I know to be true is that the God I know through Jesus brings life out of death. So how then, given what we know to be true about God, how then do we read 
these scriptures today. If this story from Exodus, if this parable of the wedding banquet, if they do not offer an adequate picture of who God is, do they reveal something true about us? In the Exodus story, I see something true about our desire to feel God's closeness. And I see something true about the links that we go to when, when we don't feel that. Our tendency toward panic, our poor decision-making in times of stress and disorientation. I see the dangers of groupthink and our desire to hear from like-minded people who can just confirm our own biases, who can help us to justify our actions. And I see something true in this story about how we respond when we feel abandoned by God. And that's what they're doing with the calf. For them, they believe that they have no leader. God has left them in the wilderness, maybe brought them out there to die, and they need something, something to focus their hope on, their trust on. And so they cast an image. And I wonder if we do things like that. I wonder what we do, what we resort to, where we place our hope when we feel that God is far off. What do you turn to? In other words, what is your golden calf? Something important, I think, to reflect on. When it comes to the parable of the wedding banquet, I think it tells the truth about the world as it really is. Where innocents are killed, reprisals are vicious, and state violence is brutal and pervasive. We know this to be true. We see it happening in our time right now. I think, too, that the most common way that we read this parable tells us something about ourselves. In that interpretation, we understand the king to be God, his son to be Jesus, the invited guests who fail to attend, we understand to be the people of Israel, the king's slaves that they kill or the Hebrew prophets, the burning of their city, we say, refers to the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans in 70 CE. And the folks gathered in off the street are the Gentiles. They're us. Now this kind of allegorical reading is one of the ways our tradition can encourage supersessionism, and it's one of the texts that can undergird anti-Semitism. But reading this parable this way also softens the judgment Jesus preaches here. 
It's not preaching it to us, right? It turns our attention away from the violence, the rage, the destruction, and focuses our eye on the invitation, the banquet where all are welcome. We really like that part. The inclusion of the outcast, the open invitation to the good and the bad from off the street, a seat at the table for everyone. If we focus on that, we can skip over the weird part about the guy not wearing the robe. And we can just go right past Jesus' parting line, many are called, but few are chosen. And we can do that because we know we're the good guys. We're the ones who get it right. But as I've said before, we are on pretty shaky ground if we read a parable, feel good about ourselves, and think, oh, I totally get this. That's a sign that we need to look a little more carefully. This is a story of invitation, a story of the inclusiveness of the heavenly banquet, yes, but it's also a story of rejection, rejection of the messengers and rejection of the message itself. And it's a rejection of the urgency of the kingdom. The invited guests make light of the invitation. They make fun. They attend instead to their homes, their businesses, their property. They're too busy to come to the feast. And aren't these the things that we also often focus on? The things in which we place our hope and our trust, our property, our business, our families. We've heard this before in the calling of the disciples. Remember, Jesus says, come, follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. And they say, well, I'd love to, Jesus, but first, I need to go bury my father. First, I need to go see about my field. First, I need to do this. And so this question of urgency is important. And I think we are invited to wonder what distracts me from God's invitation? What messenger do I reject or mistreat? And what feasts have I failed to attend? But I want to spend a moment thinking about that guest who's not properly attired, right? We all wonder what we should wear to a wedding. That's kind of a high-stakes thing. So what do we make of this guy who's not wearing the robe? I think here we see that story of rejection. Rejection in terms of the costs of discipleship. Right? This is a guy who shows up to the feast and it's cheap grace. He can just have a seat at the table. And so it's not just those who spurn the invitation 
But those who seem to accept it, at least the easy parts, and reject what it really represents. So thinking about all of this, the golden calves, what we find comfortable and easy, our distractions, the feasts we've failed to attend, may we remember what is true. May we remember what is worthy of praise. And I'll say here, I could have just preached on Paul's letter to Philippians, and it would have been such a happy little sermon, and maybe we would have broken out into song in the midst of it. Because if we're following Paul, right, the, the primary demeanor of Christian life is joy. But that would be irresponsible, because we must wrestle with these difficult texts that we encounter in our scripture. And we do that faithfully when we remember what is true, when we remember what is true about God, and when we remember what is true about us. Paul's letter to the church in Philippi applies to us in the invitation into the work of the gospel as co-workers for the kingdom. We help usher in the kingdom when we do the will of God. That is something we can trust in as true. When we feed people, clothe people, visit people, when we put love in action, we are partnering with our coworkers in doing the will of God and ushering in the kingdom. And so my prayer for us is that we might heed the invitation, hasten to the banquet, and don the robe with joy. Amen.